0: Hello, and welcome to Unleash Your Inner Creative with Lauren LaGrasso. My name's Lauren LaGrasso, and this is a show to help you make creativity the filter for your life, redefine your relationship with fear by taking it out of the driver's seat, step more fully into the essence of who you are, and claim your right to have a dream and take up space. And I have a guest today who is a repeat offender, a friend of the show, one of my favorite humans on earth, someone who can help us do all of the things that the show seeks to do and her name is Brittany Brave. What up, Brittany Brave? Paisana, welcome to the show. Hello, hello, hello. Huh? <laughs> I'm literally so pleased, enchanted, enchanted to be with you this evening. I love having Brittany on the show because so much of the show is like serious and like kind of like Deepak Chopra, Oprah land. And I love that. And that is definitely a piece of who I am. But I always used to say I'm Deepak Chopra and Amy Sedaris's love child. And I feel like I haven't focused on the Amy Sedaris part of my life enough. And so when you are with me, I feel like I get to channel my inner Amy. And so today we're going to have a little fun. We're going to talk about dating and its impact on creativity. We're going to talk about going back home or, like, leaving the place where you went to originally pursue your creativity and kind of how that affects you and your path and the feelings around it and why it's good and, and hard. Uh, we're also going to talk about inching toward your career without ever knowing what's on the other side and, like, what that feels like to be in momentum, but you're not really sure where it's going. So, Brittany, talk to me. What's going on? Mm. Update the audience on your life since we last spoke.
1: Well, well, well here we are here we are what a time to be alive lauren has has been crawling me out of bouts of depression these last two weeks so shout out for lauren um no i'm i'm good since we last talked i think we recorded when i was in new york during my last visit to new york i lived in new york for seven years i just recently gave up my apartment and decided to kind of do a take two chapter two on my life in new york definitely the right move For sure the right move given 2020 and all of its craziness and uncertainty. But I did like a banger of two months in New York of just shoots and work, very fortunate, and shows and all this stuff. And now I'm spending the rest of the winter in Miami trying to find a pool boy. (laughs) And I'm back. I'm back home. It's full circle. I'm back home with my mother and my father. Only child. I'm thriving. I'm third wheeling for Karen and Tony again and i'm i'm um I'm in a strange place I'm in a strange place, like very proud of what I've been able to do with twenty twenty in my career, but being still you've done a lot i've done a lot this year i've done a lot i i have definitely in terms of making lemonade with the lemons I've done that for sure I've made pictures and pictures of lemonade. Um, but it's very much the so time for a standstill and it's very much the so time for a slowdown because it's been affecting my mental health. But also the creative in me is feeling a little restless and guilty for doing that. So currently I'm okay. I'm just okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. Things are okay. Yeah. 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 Well, hey, I think if you're okay,
0: you're actually thriving because – this is such a weird time where we none of us feel like we have a foundation. We had a really fruitful conversation leading up to this. By the way, for anyone that doesn't know, Brittany's a brilliant comedian, actress, businesswoman. She runs this. You start, launched a podcast called Bad Women. Mm-hmm. We you have a I company did. called We Are Cat Call. So you, you're you doing a bunch of different mm-hmm. things and and really, you know, super inspirational. By the way, for anyone who's listening, which, you know, you would be listening if you're hearing me, <laughs> there's a person upstairs who's decided it's a great time to watch an HD, loud, surround sound movie. So just enjoy whatever they're watching because they're enjoying it. <laughs> me too. <laughs> but, you know, you and I were talking because we're both in the dating scene, if you can call it that.
1: <laughs> oh, my God.
0: <laughs> so so we were talking about how various scenarios have been affecting our mental health and our creativity and something I've been thinking about a lot lately because I'm like even putting time into the apps and other things, just trying to figure out how to find some level of companionship in this strange time. And You know, Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of mental energy. So, like, how do you balance that mental energy that it takes and that desire to have a personal relationship with your creative exploits and pursuing your career?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a day-to-day struggle. It's a day-to-day, like, balance. Um, I feel like as if some of the best comedy that I've ever produced and some of the best things that I've ever made have been in the sense of the glow up post breakup Mm -hmm. or have been when i'm going through a heartbreak or going through some level of pain i mean i started stand-up at the tail end of a a severely abusive relationship and it was like the only thing that helped me make sense of that or helped me feel okay about that helped me process it gave my power back whatever um but it veers so so delicately especially for me i'm a very all or nothing person i feel like you might be I don't like a lot of people and I don't like people easily. I don't want to sleep with a lot of people. I don't want to be intimate with a lot of people. But when I latch on to someone in some various capacity, it's few and far between. But then I get a weird tunnel vision and then that competes with the tunnel vision I have for my creativity in my career.
0: Yes. Does this statement resonate at all? I keep trying to be a slut, but it's not working.
1: (laughs) Same. I'm not, you know, Lauren, I'm finally surrendering to that. I had a great conversation with my cousin's fiance. She's great. She and I bonded immediately. She's wonderful. Glad she's going to be family. And she goes, I think you need to stop saying and stop. She goes, You're living life like as if you're the kind of person and you're the kind of girl that's okay with fucking around and with just being casual and with whatever. And she's like, It's just not you. It's not you. Like, you thrive when you have. Connection, even if it doesn't mean someone, someone doesn't need to necessarily be your boyfriend. Someone doesn't necessarily need to be your husband, yes. like whatever. But she's, you're just not that kind of a person. You're not, you're not superficial in any part. Like, and I, I did take this as accomplished. Like, you're not surface level in any part of your life, especially not here. Yes,
0: you know what my therapist said to me that I thought was very poignant, mm-hmm. and I was like also bum because I'm like I, I really like I wish I could live like that because things would be simpler and I could maybe enjoy physical activities more. But she said, Lauren, mm-hmm. I hate to break it to you. We're talking yeah. We're talking <laughs> yeah. weightlifting and intercourse. Um, no, I'm never gonna like weightlifting. But yeah. she, she she said to me, Lauren, I hate to break it to you, but you just happen to need someone who can bring both their heart and their pelvis to the to the scenario. And I think that's probably true for you too. Even if it doesn't mean that you're going to be together forever, they at least need to be emotionally aware and emotionally developed enough where they can be honest with you and talk about what's going on and be upfront and be intimate, not just with actually doing the act, but with their speech. You know, it's like we can't have somebody who is less emotionally developed than we are because then we're always going to be disappointed.
1: Yeah, we are. I agree. I'm with you. I'm the exact same way. And um, I expect that from, I I feel like as if to have a sexual partner with which you can't be that kind of transparent and connected to is boring and devoid of really anything and not really worth having. Sorry, hot take. But like, I don't want to be, I don't want to be involved with somebody. I don't want to have somebody see me naked who I can't like openly have a conversation with. And I think that is like the, the complex of being a millennial or, or even Gen Z or whatever is like, we want this intimacy and we want this kind of connection. Like we're cool with getting it through sex, but the second that it's through anything else, we like freeze up. Like I've had guys that I've like dated and hooked up with. And then when I like followed them on Instagram after our first or second date, like they were like, I thought that was weird. And I'm like, how do you think that that's weird when you were inside my body? like yeah. with, like i don't understand you know or like i've let men inside my body before they've been inside my apartment like there's something fucked with our generation and I think that part of this self-discovery, and I hope that this is like, yeah, for like both of us, I hope this is a step in the right path, at least for me, like into finding what it is that I want, is just accepting that like, I don't want that. I don't like transactional sex. I don't enjoy it if it's transactional. I only enjoy it when there's a connection and like, call me crazy. But like, if you're going to see me naked and we're going to be vulnerable and connect like that, you need to look me in the eyes the morning after.
0: Oh, I I think you're the sanest person I've ever met in my entire life.
1: Thank you. You're You're welcome. Right now, but thank you. (laughs) Well, I
0: understand you. It's because we're we're cut from the same cloth. Very fine silk in Italy. (laughs) So stupid. (laughs)
1: Stained
0: with the finest marinara. (laughs) Wait, can I toss a scenario to you and see what you think of this? Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to this guy on Hinge. Mm-hmm. and we were having really good conversation like it was the first person I'd met on there that, where I'd like he was keeping up with me and he was answering every single little thing I said and I was saying a lot okay. and he was bouncing back and forth we were joking it was really great he was 25 which is like horrifying um <laughs> I'm 31
1: but he
0: uh cradle. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I keep attracting those. I need to set the age restrictions better, but I, like 25 year olds keep swiping on me. So
1: I guess I got it with the youth, honey, but in LA you're dating down. It's fine. It's good. Kind of, it's good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, it's the last thing I need at this point to raise another man, but <laughs> anyway, I, he asked me, of course he's 25, asked me to video chat on Snapchat because he didn't have an iPhone. <laughs> A moment of silence,
1: please. Okay. A moment okay. of
0: silence for Snapchat. My Snapchat had my first and last name on it, and his didn't. And so he knew my first and last name, plus he knew the name of my podcast. So if he had looked up my podcast, he knew my first and last name. And I knew nothing that personal about him. So I felt freaked out by this. And so a few days after that, yeah. I we were texting about his dad or something, like joking around because he's like, my dad told me this. He's the best news source. I'm like, oh, What's your last name? So I know what to call my new favorite news source, like trying to do it in a cutesy kind of way. I love that. And then he refused to tell me his last name. Weird. Okay, so that's what I thought too. And it freaked me out. And he's like, Are you trying to stalk me or something? And I was like, No. I just wanted to know how I should address your father.
1: (laughs) And your dad. I know how to properly introduce myself to him actually. <laughs> yeah.
0: So anyway, I just like didn't say, and then I took a, a, then I got freaked out. Cause I'm like, what if he's a psychopath? So I took a screenshot of his Snapchat profile and I don't know because I'm not 25, but I didn't know that when you take a screenshot of someone's Snapchat profile, they get a notification. So then he sent me another message. like, get so you are trying to stop me. Yeah, exactly. And so then two days later he started like writing me more. Anyway, long story short, he he was like following up with me and he's like, are you mad at me? Oh, my last name is actually this, just so you know. And anyway, I ended up very eloquently breaking it off with him, even though we never even saw each other in person, just via video text via or via um, via video Snapchat. Um, And I ended up breaking it off with him via text. I don't know. Like, What Have you had any success with the dating apps? Like, how do you show your personality on there? How do you get creative on there? And are we going to meet
1: anyone this way, really? Okay. So (laughs) this is another Brittany is explaining who she is part two. Um, So number one is Brittany is actually not that down with casual sex and not that cool girl in that sense. So that was number one. We got that out of the way. We're dealing with it. We're processing it. Number two – I think I'm done with the apps forever and for good. I really, really do. I've never been someone who gravitates towards them. They've never piqued my interest. I was on and off Tinder, on and off Bumble, on and off OkCupid for years. And by on and off, I mean like never meeting anyone who I had any inclination to meet in person, never finding anyone that interesting, getting kind of frustrated, deleting it, going out into the abyss eventually meeting someone too. eventually meeting people in real life through work through life through mutual friends through that's how i've always done it that's how i've always done it and i'm gonna be really and this is the traditional old school in me like whatever i don't give a fuck like when i tell my kids how i met my husband i just don't want it to be like i met daddy through my phone yeah i I,
0: I just how can we base a sitcom on that
1: what happened yeah yeah like I think. Oh, Britt. Just
0: like side note, I'm. I think I am. uh, You're delayed for me, and I'm hitting you faster than what I'm speaking. So it's
1: like, so it's like sex. We're just trying to find we're, each other's rhythm. We're not quite syncing up
0: sexually.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time for me. So it's fine. Right. It's right. Fine. right. It's fine. It's I'm used to it. It's on brand. It's on brand. It's good. This is what all those years in improv classes trained me for. Just deal with whatever comes up. Yes, Yes, and. Yes, and. Are we playing the game? Are we playing the game?
0: Playing the game? Do you know the game? Because I'm playing. (laughs) The number one rule in improv is yes, and, and you have to figure out what the quote unquote game is, which I honestly, I wish I could explain it to you, but I don't understand. I just don't. Never did, never will.
1: It's a very narrow, pigeonholed way of looking at improv. I don't subscribe to it, but anyways, yes. So I'm, I'm, I'm done with the apps. I think I just don't think it's for me. I have only ever met he'll he might he may or may not listen to this, but it doesn't really matter. Anyways, it's the guy I was telling you I dated. I, I was on and off seeing, talking to somebody for a better part of this year, and I did meet him through Hinge, and he was a success story if I've ever had one. Like he, like it's like it says with you with you with this guy. It was like immediate banter, immediate chemistry. He was the only person that I felt like as if, oh my God, if this person can capture me through pictures and text over my phone and hold my attention, then he must be worth meeting in person. And he absolutely was. And we went on a couple great dates and kept in touch throughout the quarantine and so on and so forth, you know, and then he got a girlfriend, the the one who throws herself tea parties. And um, you know, <laughs> wait, tell the story. He um, uh, I have a couple, so he got a girlfriend, and um, she's a couple years younger than him. She throws herself actual tea parties for her 25th birthday. Which, listen, if you're over seven, it's a little weird, but it's okay, that's what brings which joy. I,
0: I uh, did also throw myself a tea party for my 25th birthday, full transparency but it was cool. No, yours
1: was cool. Yeah, Lauren you're different on many many levels. Okay, this girl is like that kind of girl who like goes on vacation and there's a photo that's like take me back or whatever and like you She's know a basic every other ass photo is an avocado. Very basic, very very basic. Like there's nothing there's it's okay. Anyways, <laughs> um I'm not going to hate. The problem isn't her, let's be honest. But since falling out with him I don't know how I feel about him. I just don't think he has a lot of balls. But I will say that he is a success story from a dating app. I can't take that away from him or the situation. But that being said, it's not my jam. I don't want to do it. It doesn't hold my attention. And I don't care if it takes me twice as long. I'm not doing the apps. I'm the next person I date. I'm going to already know and have met IRL. It's just hard. It's hard for me to connect through. It's hard for me to talk to a guy through an app and just be like, God, he's so hot. I have to meet him. Like, like it just doesn't... I haven't met anyone through the apps yet. I
0: just talked to a bunch of people. That's how I was. I'm really working on my interviewing skills, I guess. So it's great for my job in that way. But I'm like... And also like my comedic banter. So I'm grateful for that. But I have not... I met one person who I already knew. I met him in college. But I thought it was a date. But then he came with another person. And I had to call him out on it. And then I found out while we were on the date... Was supposed to be a date. He actually had a girlfriend, so it was a whole mess. So my dating app experience—it's given me some fantastic stories, fantastic stories. But you know, the funny thing is, I don't know if you experience this with comedy. So I share the stories, and I think they're genuinely funny. Like I'm not feeling sorry for myself. I don't feel sad about them. Like I think they're funny. But I have a lot of
1: people responding to me on my Instagram. No, I'm saying I neither do I. I don't think it's sad or self-deprecating at all. I think these things are funny. I own. That.
0: Yeah, like. You're literally just stating the facts, but I don't know about you when you do your comedy or when you tweet about it, but like I have people writing to me like, oh, don't worry, you're going to find someone. I'm like, no, this isn't a sob story. Like I'm just sharing something weird that happened to me so that you can relate as a human being. It's a funny story. And it kind of made me feel bad when people responded in that way because I'm like, is my storytelling like making me sound pathetic? Like you heard it. Do you think it is?
1: No, not at all. I think it's like, authentic and it's honest and nothing about it is pathetic like anything about it that would be these other people's behavior is weird and embarrassing but that's on them to like attest to and own or whatever i mean i feel i do feel that with my comedy i've had people be like like i don't think my comedy self-deprecating at all in fact mm-hmm. i think i have a lot like i i try to be empowering about being single i try to be brutally honest about it yeah they like tell candid stories, I and I, and even if being brutally honest means, by the fucking way, to anybody listening and to like, it's it's not self deprecating or negative to be like, I want a boyfriend or I want a partner. Let's end that right now. Like, that's not self-deprecating. Like, I say that in my stand-up sometimes. Like, I'll be like, I'm so single and I just want a boyfriend or whatever. People are like, oh, God, that's so funny how self-deprecating you are with your comedy. I'm like, that's not self-deprecating. That's just like... Like, let's break that down. I think that there's something inherently sexist
0: that's happening there. Because if if you're saying that that's self-deprecating, that means that having a boyfriend is inherently a part of the self of, of a woman. Or like a, yeah. a, like a relationship is inherently a part of a female experience. And if you don't have it and you comment on the fact that you don't have it or that you want it, you're saying that you have some sort of inherent flaw because you're holding out for somebody that you believe could meet you where you are instead of somebody you <laughs> drag along or that hurts you. And how dare you not just settle for an average guy who doesn't understand you. I think that that's the undertow. Yeah. And I think that's why I'm so bothered by people who are reaching out to me saying, don't worry, you'll find someone, which I'm sure it's sweet and has good intentions. But I feel like what's underneath that, it comes from a good place. And and I appreciate that because they're trying to say like, hey, you're awesome. You're going to find someone. But I I think that what's underneath that societally, not not their fault, not consciously on their their end, but they're like saying – if you even comment about the fact that you're single and that things are sometimes hard, you're saying you're a failure in some way, which I don't feel at all. I feel like I'm acknowledging that things are weird in the process of me holding out for somebody who can meet me where I am.
1: I think that's beautiful. I think that's beautiful. And I think that's like, honest and I think that's a real snapshot of dating that we've been missing from rom-coms and web series about dating and dating manifestos and books for many many years and I love that and I absolutely agree with you like alone is not lonely and wanting a partner is not weak I can sit here and tell you that I am not particularly happy or satisfied with how my love life is going right now but it doesn't mean that on the whole I'm not happy and satisfied with Britney and Britney's life. Like it is one piece of a greater puzzle. I agree with you. I do think it's inherently sexist. Like I think when a man is ready to commit, he looks heroic and vulnerable and all these different things. But like if a woman wants commitment, she's crazy. If a woman wants commitment, she's clingy. If If a woman wants consistency or wants love, she's weak and she's emotional. And that absolutely has to be destroyed. Like we just have to do away with that. Like I have never looked at a partner as someone who's going to complete me. I have been searching, since my last relationship three years ago, I've been searching for someone who is going to amplify me. And if all else fails, that's probably the fucking reason I still am single because I haven't found that yet.
0: Right, and you're not going to go back to what you had because it wasn't good. I think that we should be celebrated for holding out for something that hopefully won't end. I don't wanna go through another
1: breakup. It's torture. I agree. Do you feel like as if it's making dating harder now, like subconsciously, because you know that your standards are higher and you know that you've been through so much shit that like you're 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 inherently not putting up with shit that you would have put up with before. You're maybe a little bit more quick to cut off, quicker to be direct, things like that. Like it it's it's changing the process for you. Do you feel that way? Because sometimes I feel like as if I'm like Ah, uh, Brittany, it's it's not surprising that you've been single, single for three years because you just went through that like cataclysmic, catastrophic, abusive relationship and it's three years from that now. So obviously you haven't pinned yourself down to anybody yet, right? Because your vetting process is different. How you view is different. Your patience is different, right? Like
0: Oh, it's hundred percent making it harder. Of course. Of course, because when I was twenty three, the last time I was single, all I wanted was a boyfriend. Didn't care yeah. who he was. Me too. I just wanted him to want me. And by and the way, it didn't that, matter.
1: That relationship is. I I spent the first early to mid part of my twenties just yeah. wanting someone to commit, just wanting someone to want to be my boyfriend. That early twenties validation. That's where yeah. I was. Yeah. I
0: mean, my new mantra is no more projects because it, it's just a distraction. It's a distraction from my creativity. It's a distraction from the problems I actually have for myself. It's a distraction. From a like, that's not really love either. Taking someone and saying, Oh, you have all these good qualities, but here, I'm going to change them and amplify them. That's not really loving. That's, that's you going in and it's being a teacher.
1: Codependency.
0: It's codependency. Yeah. And so, yeah, of course, the fact that I'm actually looking for someone who's an equal, it terrifies me. I'm also very excited that that could be a thing. But of course, it's making my vetting process more difficult and more arduous because I'm not just like letting any gentleman call or pass through my door, you know?
1: No, I'm the same way. And and, and people don't get my time that readily. Like, I just don't put up with things. Like, even if I can put a situation in perspective and be like, this is probably going to be casual. It's probably not going to go anywhere meaningful. It probably is just going to be a one and done. Whereas early to mid twenties, Brittany would still stay in it for fun or for sex or for whatever, or like write it off as an experience. Me getting ready to approach 30, having been through what I've been through, which I would think at least for the average person is a little bit more intense than what some people have been through. I'm not even willing to stick around for anything. Even if I know you're not my end goal, you're not going to be my husband. You're not even going to be a boyfriend material. The second I see that like our inherent core parts are incongruent or there's behavior here that I don't like or I don't like how I'm treated I'm out so I am generally more bitter and pissy and unhappy and, lovely, like, than somebody yeah. else. and I'm like well I I could yeah if I really wanted to I could have somebody here for the sake of fucking having somebody here but like oh then what did I go through all that work for hundred percent I- Like, yeah. Like like anyone can have a
0: boyfriend. That's the thing. Anyone can have a girlfriend. Anyone can have a partner. But is it going to be a fruitful relationship? Dude. Even that situation with the guy with the last name. I think when I was in my early 20s, I would have just been like, oh, well, he didn't mean it. He's fine. He just he's joking. He he thinks I'm stalking him. You know, but it's like I literally said if we're having these kind of conflicts this early on without ever even meeting each other, there's only more to come. So we can't keep talking
1: that's so fucking true dude if it starts messy it ends messy that's such Mm -hmm. a thing too and like i'm going through something like that now where it's like this is not my mom gave me that piece of advice like a couple guys back a couple guys back that i was dating and seeing my mom was like Brittany, this is not how grand love stories start like there's a little bit of this that does subscribe to the fairy tale there's a little bit of this where the narrative that we were raised on is true right like it, it's not no grand romance and deep, deep love and connection and soulmate bond begins with like whoop, caught him with his ex oops like <laughs> no, it just it doesn't like it doesn't no, and you have nothing to build on when your foundation is that cracked that yeah, cracked and fucked up already sorry I'm cursing a lot but like, it's like it's like true Fine. like if, like if you if you're starting messy you're ending messy and it's like here's where it, and some I had another very good friend of mine she's a comic Mel Guevara she's hysterical in New York we're we're very very close and she was like Brittany like you put in way too much work at the wrong stages with these men she's like you are willing to work and you are willing to see past things and to grapple with things and to accept things early early on she's like brit you need to preserve that energy for when you actually lock in with someone who's worthy because that's when like the real work comes deep into a relationship and that's the work worth doing that's when you've already vetted this person they're smart they're hardworking. they're normal they're emotionally available they passed all those basic damn tests in order to be good enough to be your partner she's like then The real, the toughness should come when you're deep in it with someone, then that's work worth doing. That's a return on investment. That's like, yeah, me and my partner are struggling right now, but I wouldn't want to struggle with anybody else. And I wouldn't want to struggle in any other way. And this is work that's helping me grow and helping him grow and helping the relationship grow. She's like, Britt, you're struggling like in the first three months of casually dating. Yeah,
0: it's supposed to be the honeymoon phase.
1: The honeymoon phase. Like you're cleaning up these, these guys' messes in the first three months. Like she's like, no, you want, like you're doing girlfriend work too early on. And then that's when I was like, oh.
0: Wow, she's wise. I very much resonate with that. Why do you think that is that you've tended toward that?
1: I am not going to lie with you. Like I am at a point where I I really am striving for that kind of a connection with a partner. I really want that. I want to lock in with somebody. I really, really want to be vulnerable with somebody in that way again. I The last time I was, like I said, like truly was, was a crazy in love abusive situation. Like I would love to get the opportunity to do that again. So I feel like as if I'm seeking it at all costs. And I'm working on that. I'm in therapy. I'm trying to set these boundaries. I literally just hired a new therapist two weeks ago. And I'm like, please help me. Like, I want this, but I need boundaries with this. I also think inherently women love unconditionally. We just do. And I think that I, I do have a super great capacity to love. And I think women love unconditionally. Women backbend in ways that men don't. Women get pregnant Right when their careers are about to pop, and what do they say? <sighs> it's okay. Wasn't planning to have a baby, but I'll fucking make it work. And it's okay. Blah blah blah. Men, men don't at all. Men will men will gloss over the woman of their dreams because they'll tell you, "I can't do it right now." <laughs> but they will, and like I kind of admire that for men. So like to some extent, I think that it's like Brittany, you're giving a hundred percent to too many things and people, and especially these men. That you got it can't be 100% anymore. It's got to be, you, you know, yeah. Um,
0: like, I totally, I, and yes, yes to all of that. And I lift it up. I lift up your message to the sky, to the heavens, yes, to God. JC. So, okay, what do you do when you're in one of these states, when you're like super downtrodden over something that happened with a guy or like despondent about dating or just feeling lonely? And you also, are working so hard as you are to make your career go forward. Cause that's something I've kind of confronted in the past couple months. Like I felt, I felt like feelings I hadn't felt since high school emerge in regard to relationships. And I did not know how to hold them and also concurrently be pursuing this career really for me, like multiple careers at once, which you're doing too. I, I didn't do it very well. How do you deal with heartbreak and also, or, or not even heartbreak, but like just dating and being in the scene and, and also heartbreak and trying to pursue this creative career? Like how do we hold these, both of these things at once? Yes, it can be great creative inspiration, but like the actual business side of it for me really suffered when I was going through that.
1: It's sloppy. It's not easy. It's really sloppy. And sometimes I have a grip on it and sometimes I don't. Um, The workaholic in me has learned to love and romanticize the glow up once I've been like completely screwed over by a situation. And do you mean physically or
0: mentally glow up or both?
1: Both. both. So my my initial instinct is whenever I'm in a situation like this, like how you said that causes pain or heartbreak or – I feel dismissed by somebody, whatever the the scenario is. My initial instinct is to invest in me. And I just feel like I've done a lot of that. And I don't feel cocky or arrogant in saying that because I have the worksheets and the report cards to prove it over the last three years. Like all of my time and effort goes into me. Being healthier, being more fit, being funnier, being better at my career, being better to the people around me, seeking spirituality, reading things I wouldn't normally read, seeking, like all of these things. That is what my my normal go-to is. I'm not saying it's always the healthiest thing, though, because it's made me like a workaholic and made me burn, burn out and feel a little bit soulless, but that's, you know, a whole other whole other thing it's it's a constant lesson and it's sloppy and it's not an easy process but it's constantly reminding yourself that like how people treat you is not a reflection of your value it's a reflection of their own intentions and where it is that they're at and that's Mm. hard so you just have to start to seek out what i what i try to do when i'm in those situations and i feel like this person didn't value me i wasn't treated correctly i feel like i was disrespected i feel like i was dismissed i just try to like okay Brittany, just take take that energy and put it into the things where you do see a return which does happen to be my friends my comedy career cat call like fitness like all these other like cuz then okay here we go again here's you know cuz that's it, it, objectively like you know my workouts treat me better than any man I've dated does at least my workouts <laughs> make, make me feel good and like I see results and I feel good and it's positive and you know Like, I see a return on investment there, whereas with some of these men that I, like, invest into quickly, I don't, so.
0: So your kind of methodology to get back to yourself and to get back on your grind, as the kids say, is Mm. to focus on things that have a very direct return and that build your self-esteem instead of obsessing over what that person did. Or you're still maybe going to obsess over it, but like every time you go to obsess, divert your attention to your comedy or your workout or eating healthy.
1: Yeah, things like that. And it's – yes, it is. And I, I did build that habit truly from the last relationship that I was in because I tied myself to someone who was a goddamn hurricane, like a Cat 5 hurricane a tornado monsoon and it was three years of utter chaos and disarray in my life where everything shattered around me and then like the one thing that really saved me more than therapy more than support groups more than any zoloft xanax whatever the hell it is like anything at all was like comedy because i was like oh my gosh like if I can tie myself to something that's non-human and non-emotional and tie myself to concepts and art and things that I can make my own, then that's like a way safer bet than tying myself to a human being who can like abuse me or wake up one day and break my heart or like, that, that's, that's really where it got ingrained in me.
0: Yeah, but then how do you get yourself back to opening up to a human being? When you've convinced yourself (laughs) that the move is to deal with inanimate objects or career, how do you say, now I'm going to totally deprogram myself so that I am attaching to a human being again and opening myself up to pain? Because what I think I've realized is that the first time someone broke my heart, I closed down and I haven't been fully open since I was 16. 16
1: to 18.
0: And I think yeah. that's when I started getting obsessive about working. That's when I started getting obsessive about working and and putting my work into work. And I didn't I didn't do it quite as intentionally as you did. But when I trace the lines, I think that that is when all this tragedy started for me in my interpersonal relationships. And so that's what I'm working through now. It's like how do I yeah. convince myself that it's safe to want something and to not want the thing that's like second best or third best or fourth best or fifth best. To like, to want the thing I actually want when it comes to love. I'm really afraid.
1: Yeah, I am too. And I don't know. I don't know if I have an answer for that either because I'm starting, I, I think the, you know what it is? I, I just, thanks to you and what you just shared, I just touched on this for myself. So thank you for saying that. I think I'm in a race to find this level of companionship And this level of love that I haven't felt in three years. And I think the reason is not desperation and loneliness or whatever it is. I think it's what you just said. I am feeling myself intrinsically close off. And I'm trying to beat that from fully happening. I'm feeling myself like all it's been since 2017 is, Brittany, you only have you. From point A to point Z, you have you. So invest in you. You're always going to have you, Brittany. You can always rely on you. You got yourself out of that relationship. You got yourself this in comedy. You got yourself wherever you are today. So when all else fails, you put your head on your pillow at night. You have me, myself, and I. So you you get fit. You get healthy. You get funny. You kill it in your career. You do shit for women. You build cat call, You blah, 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 blah. But I am so in that rhythm that the more I stay in that rhythm and the more I stay in that momentum and the less that I find this kind of connection, the more I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to close myself off from this shit forever. Mic drop. Like I'm feeling already happening.
0: Yeah. And I think building that awareness means that it, it won't, but I hear you and I resonate with that. And I mean, there's also something interesting that's been happening. So I feel like I am inherently funnier, more creative, a better songwriter, all these things when I'm actually just by myself. But I'm like, that can't be true because I love being around other people and I desire to be around other people. And I can't just like, like you said, you're an extreme person. I'm an extreme person. That's what my most recent single freak show is about. It's like all about living in extremes, but it can't be like that. It It can't be like that. Like we can't live like that forever, Brit. It's like, it's not sustainable. Like, we can't do it. So I don't know the answer either, but I do know what I want to work toward and, and get myself more comfortable with is living in the gray areas when it comes to everything, because it can't be like all or nothing. It can't be like I'm with someone and I focus on that or I'm by myself and I focus on my career. You know, it's, it's gotta be, there's gotta be something down the middle.
1: I agree. I do. And it's something you just said, there's got to be, it's about living in the gray areas and moving between those gray areas. So that made me think that like maybe for both of us and and hopefully anybody listening, it's maybe we move in and out of comfort zones, right? Like life ebbs and flows. And sometimes you're in your comfort zone. And then every so often, every now and again, something happens or someone happens or a relationship happens that forces you out of it. So maybe what the comfort zone is right now for both of us. And 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 it clearly you and I both creatively and through our careers and through a lot of what we do have chosen to be uncomfortable. I'll pat myself on the back about that. I think you should too. So many people choose to be comfortable. So many people choose to live within what it is that they know and what it is that feels secure. And and don't take those steps forward because those steps forward aren't clearly illuminated or, or clear or feel good right away. Right. So you and I like discomfort. So it's maybe that's what that is. Like maybe this is the overarching lesson is like, okay, so what you've gotten comfortable with is working yourself into a lather, focusing on you career achievement just keep going who cares you'll be fine glow up boss bitch me myself and I blah 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 blah. and it's like okay so that's what we know and that's the lane that we've been in and that's the lane that feels comfortable in our comfort zone so now what is it where does the growth lie the growth lies in uh not doing that the growth lies in maybe just feel like what I've been trying to do is feel my feelings but I I brush right over them. I bury them. And sometimes people are like, are you sad? I'm like, I'm so fucking sad. They're like, just be sad. It's okay. Like, just be sad. Just feel it. I know. Instead of immediately being like, oh, I can't. uh, 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 I know. I'm always trying to be like, but
0: the silver lining is this. And it's like, no, just shut the fuck up. Like cry. But you know, I will say like when I was in that like two week depressive spin, I, I think you and I texted a bit during that time. Mm -hmm. It was like your last week in New York right before you moved home and I was deeply depressed. And I was honest about it with everyone who I talked to. So I think that was a big step. But the other thing I've been thinking about and I think that I've been afraid of in the past is that I'll get into a relationship and I'll somehow lose who I am. Like the person's going to try to control me or try to like dim my light and I think that's a big piece of my terror when it comes to stepping into this as well like I have very specific needs and I'm afraid somebody's going to try to I think that's why I pick people who not not to say they're beneath me that's not the right phrasing but to people who are easy for me to I don't know the right word Pe- people who weren't well met with me I think I've picked people who I was not well met with in the past because I was afraid to be with somebody who was my equal you know I was afraid to be with someone who's my equal because what if they try to control me or what if they're better than me what then and that's an interesting are you ready to point. level up right. yeah I feel I am but I'm still scared of it and so yeah I think being honest about it With anything in our lives, whether it's our creative path or our love life or whatever is the first step, but I'm not to the point where I'm not scared of it, but I'm at least aware of it.
1: The saying that always really messes me up, I forget where it originates, but it's, we accept the love we think we deserve. And then that always messes me up because then I look at the last handful of strings of relationships I've been in or situations I've been in, and I'm like, why did I accept that? Then, do I think I deserve that?
0: Why do you think we do though? Because our like our parents are obsessed with us. Where does it come from? I don't know. It's not my child. Like I,
1: I had not my childhood,
0: childhood. not my childhood
1: at all. This is the ancestral
0: shit we're living out. (laughs)
1: you know about ancestral trauma I (laughs) I do yeah it's a very real thing it's so or you know what I think it is a little bit with like being an only child too I do think a little bit of it is knowing you had this is a theory knowing you had such a like protected healthy good glorified childhood and upbringing and then when you're put in the real world where like you're surrounded by people who didn't or surrounded by circumstances that won't make you necessarily feel that way you're like well I don't want to let my childhood fuck me up to where I can't accept reality that's what I think I do is this making any sense like sometimes I'm
0: like is what you're saying your childhood was like so idyllic that you are a You're afraid to get into something because it will mess up the idyllic childhood you had. Is that what you're saying?
1: A little bit. Yeah. Or like, I'm, I'm always afraid. I'm always afraid that I'm giving myself too much credit. And I feel that way in comedy. And I feel that way in dating and like with everything. And trust, I am loaded with my own like neuroses and overthinking. Like, I feel like it's an Aquarian thing too. Like half of me is like, I know everything I bring to the table. I'm a goddamn (laughs) hospice. But then the other part of me is like, am I ba-ba-ba? Oh, my God. That's so true. Ooh. There was this quote I wrote down once from
0: – what's his name? Not Kevin Bacon. He used to be married to <laughs> Uma Thurman. He's the guy who was married to Uma Thurman. He's hot. I Ethan Hawk, Ethan Hawke. I get him and Kevin Bacon mixed up sometimes. Yeah. But he wrote down like why. Yeah, it, was, it was literally in one of those stupid airline magazines that you get in the in the front pocket of your seat, and he said this profound thing though, where he, it was an interview he did in that magazine. He said, you know. It's interesting being a human and like being an artist. Sometimes you'll wake up and, and you'll think, wow, I'm, I'm like, I have this great life. I have this amazing family. I'm so loved. I have a great career. I'm so blessed for everything. And then two hours later, you're like, I've never done anything. I hate my life. Everything's a mess in my family. My love life is shit. And, he goes, and you know both are kind of true. And I feel like that explains, like I wrote that down. I had a book of quotes and I wrote that down in my book of quotes because it felt like somebody saw me for the first time. Like literally within the same 10 minute span, I can think, Lauren, you're so awesome. You're doing exactly the right thing in your career. You're so fun. You're so funny. You're insightful. You're a great singer songwriter. You're an incredible producer, incredible podcast host. And then 10 minutes go by, something triggers me, and I'm like, You've never done anything, you're a piece of shit, you're a bad person, you're not doing no, enough. I don't
1: know this. Yes, no yes. you've yeah. only brought bad people into your life. All I mean, it's like time. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, all the time. All yeah. the time. And like, like if you back me into a corner, I'll be like, fucking fuck you. I'm the shit. Like, sorry, but I'll be like, I am not like. I bring Sicilian so much to the table, comes out. So damn, The Sicilian me comes out, and I'm like, "You don't even you you fucking you kiss the ground I walk on." Like I am, I bring it to the table. I'm the real damn deal. Like whatever, but on that same token, like, and here's the thing. Okay, so to your point about sharing quotes, like I saw something somewhere. I don't even know who said this. It might be like an anonymous quote, but it was basically like, like, like smart people. Stupid people always have the confidence, like dumb, limitless confidence because they don't even fathom what it is that could like go wrong or they don't think about probabilities of outcomes or they don't think about like, they don't look at things with a discerning eye and a self-aware eye. Like, so they're like, I'm perfect and I'm doing everything right, right? Like they're, they're people who go around and there's nothing wrong with them. But like they look at everything so except they're it. dumb. Except they're dumb, which I guess they're fine. And honestly, I wish I were dumber. So that's what I do too. For. I wish I no, was. No, I dumb. don't.
0: I actually wish I was just a little bit smarter because I think I'd be further.
1: Ahead. Really, I think I was dumber. I, I wish I were dumber. Or I wish my intuition would shut the fuck up for two seconds. Sorry, but like I because my intuition is always picking up on every little nuance. Every why don't you nuance. listen to it? I, I, it's selective. It's selective reasoning all the time i have i'm kind of working on a bit about this about how like nobody's intuition is ever screaming something good like sometimes sure like but like it's not like whenever your intuition is banging on your door and sirens are going off it's not like lauren you're about to win the lottery no it's like Hi. it's so rude murdered. like it's like it's going off for like the wrong nobody is like I saw this person's true colors and my goodness, I was blown away. Like, <laughs> like I saw this person's true colors and shit, never mind. Like that's always what it is. So it's I, I do feel like there's people who go through life who take things at surface level, and that's fine. I'm not even gonna say dumb, just surface level, and they're just like, it is what it is, and it's fine because they're not even aware. Of what is achievable to them or what could go wrong. And then there's people like us who are cursed with an overthinking brain, RIP us. And then we're like consciously aware of everything that could be better and could be greater and where we could be, but also always consciously aware of like what could happen. So I I do feel like it messes with your confidence because you're like, I know I'm good at this, but oh, if I think I'm good at it, I'm going to mess myself up from being good at it. And then it becomes this like
0: weird spiral cycle of doom.
1: Yeah, I do it with comedy all the time. I'm like, God, I feel so good about comedy right now. Wait a minute. Don't feel too good because it could go wrong in any minute. Or do you She's putting you- her finger right up against the camera right now. I'm like, wait a minute! Don't get too... You're, you're, you're tricking yourself. You're tricking yourself, and then I'm like, Bleh. it's a whole thing. It's really bad. I'm not happy. Can you make that noise again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is this topic is fascinating, but I feel the need to get to some of the other things we said we were going to talk about.
1: Let's
0: do it. Tell me how you're feeling. You've transitioned to Miami from NYC. Tell me me how you're feeling. Tell me about the move. What are your thoughts?
1: On the whole, my gut instinct and my gut answer is that I feel great about the whole choice. I think we all know what's best for us, whether we choose to listen to it or not. And I know what's best for me right now. And it's going home and it's laying low and it's saving money. And it's just kind of recharging. Um, you and I both connect on the fact that our family and my mom, our moms and our dads are like at the core of who we are, our being, our being, you know, like who we are as artists and human beings. And like, I just really want to be around them. I don't want to be away from them right now. They're getting older. This is time I really want to have with them. I feel really good when I'm around them. Like, I feel very good about that decision. That being said, obviously like grateful for it, but like having a ton of momentum in New York. A crash landed in Miami. Like I was going like a hundred miles an hour in New York, and then came home to Miami and literally crash landed. So of course it comes, it creeps in every now and again. The like, should you have left? <laughs> <laughs> Is this a bad idea? Uh, da, 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 da. The
0: voice of a distant wizard comes in and asks you these questions.
1: A distant, this catty little wizard comes in, and I'm like, shut up, go home. Like no, it's like a Come moon back to your tower. There. Yeah, it's like Dumbledore and Mean Girls. It's not good. Bad hybrid. <laughs> Bad hybrid. So on on the whole, I know as like nothing is that finite. Like people are always like life is so short. Life is so short. And I'm like, yeah, totally it is. But also like it's pretty long. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like for most of us, it's pretty like so like you have more time than you think and you should allow yourself the grace. So I'm just trying to remind myself that like two to three months at home in Miami is not going to undo all the work that I've done in New York.
0: Especially not right now.
1: Especially not right now.
0: Exactly. And and here's the other thing that people don't talk about when it comes to life is so short. We, We very often talk about that when it comes to our dreams. We don't talk about it when it comes to our
1: family. Oh, true. Yeah. Life
0: is so short. Yes. Achieve your dreams. Yes. That is the purpose of this podcast. I started it because of that. But your dream can also be outside of your creative venture to spend more time with your family. To be around your mom and dad while they have good years, to have a child—like there's many different dreams that we can have in life—and I think that ignoring one of your personal dreams or interpersonal dreams is just as detrimental as ignoring your career dreams, if not more. Thousand percent,
1: absolutely, Ab- beyond. Yeah, like you're not gonna be on your
0: deathbed and be like, "Oh God, I wish I went to one more open mic." You're gonna be like, "You know what? I wish I had one more conversation with my mom and dad."
1: Absolutely, that like brought tears to my
0: eyes. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, I know you made the right decision too, because like dipping into that unconditional well of love that you get from your parents is only going. I'm telling you, like when I was home, I've been having like a nice time in LA and stuff, and and I'm getting stuff done. I got way more done when I was home than I've been getting done here, because I had my parents taking care of me.
1: (laughs) Yeah me too i thrive down here sometimes that's what you need as an artist too is like mm-hmm. understanding you need security or understanding the conditions you need in order to get what it is that you need to get done or just like like how you said like before you're an artist before you're a comedian before you're a singer songwriter before you're anything a mother a sister a daughter an employee anything you're a freaking human being yeah that's it so it's You absolutely, no matter your circumstances, whether your career is killing it or not, stagnating or not, or whatever is happening, you have to take care of the human first. You have to take care of the essence of it first. And like, right, like, yeah, right now, like, I I feel like I need, I need a slower pace. I need home. I need my mom. I need my dad. Like, that's what I need right now. Like, I need security. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I think
0: I've realized throughout this whole pandemic is like the way we've been living as humans and even as artists It's so unnatural to live away from our families if we had good family life growing up. Like, we were not meant as human beings to, like, to do this. This is not a natural way to live. And I think that you going back is, like, admitting your true nature and is only going to make you a stronger and better comedian because you're getting back to, like, your child self, which is where I think all of the magic comes
1: from. Yeah, I I do, too. I do, too. I was – supremely creative during quarantine like how you said I was taken care of I was home I I wrote a ton I felt like I got back in touch with my comedic voice I felt really centered I felt really healthy I felt really good and I'm trying to like go for that exact same thing again and it's all a part of the greater process of being an artist and it's all a part of the greater process of being like a human being too and like I I think you have to have growth on both sides of that coin like Everything in moderation, including moderation. My mom says that all the time. And I, I love that. Like Karen. The- Karen. Shout out, Karen. She's right. She's a wise lady. She's like, yes. everything in moderation, including moderation. I'm like, okay, touche. We get drunk every now and again. Great. Like, <laughs> you know. But it's true. It's like, you got to kill it at the career and have the fulfillment there. But then you got to go do the the soul-filling stuff. And, like, that's, that's you know, you have to be well well adjusted like you can't let you know you can't put all your eggs in one basket with dating mm-hmm. and everything. so yeah totally
0: agree final final question yeah Phoebe. so how do you deal with like when you have all this forward momentum and like to me you're like a rocket ship you're like just taking off like you're getting your gas ready and and like we're all like standing around counting down waiting for the rocket ship to take off that's how I see your career that's how I see you but I know it can feel very different when you're on, on the inside of it and you're putting all these things out there and you're trying so hard and you're throwing chum in the water, but you're like, your shark isn't coming. This isn't actually a metaphor people use. I'm just
1: making it up no, as a go. I'm so hard. so <laughs> but like You don't know if the shark is ever coming and the shark is
0: your dreams, your career dreams. How do you, again, I guess this is also a theme of the episode, is how do you deal with the discomfort of not knowing what's on the other side of your momentum?
1: Loaded question, Lauren LaGrasso. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, How do I deal with the discomfort of not knowing what's on the other side? Trusting that, like, I'm the constant, I think. I don't, I don't know what's on the other side. And frankly, I never really have. Like, I know I want to be a comedian for a living and I know I want to be a public figure and a performer for a living. And I know that I differ from a lot of traditional stand-up comedians and comedians, comics, I should say. And that I think a lot of them really want to follow the club circuit or want to follow the club comedian. And that's awesome. That's, that's great. And I think that stand-up is like one part of my pie, much like you. Like, I feel like we have many career paths, many interests. By the way, if you have one and you're nailing it and you're going down that path, that's great. If you're like Lauren and I and you've got like 10, great, that's also great. Like gorgeous. everyone, it's gorgeous. It's all, that you're going to find what works for you, do what works for you in every sense of the word. I, I think I deal with the uncertainty by knowing that like, I've always got me and I'm always going to figure it out. Trying to be like one foot in front of the other. I re-listened to Vienna by Billy Joel today. Like Do you know that's my favorite fucking song? Me too. I like hysterically cry to it monthly. That's
0: my favorite song of all time. Me too. I don't know why I'm surprised. You and I are I I feel like you and I were born in a petri dish together and separated.
1: The Stranger is my all-time favorite album. My favorite album ever. Get out of here. (laughs)
0: I fall more in love with you every day I don't know what's wrong with these guys (laughs) It's like looking in a mirror And I love what looks back at me (laughs) Oh my god I love you so much I literally can't believe you just said Fucking me That's talked me off the ledge so many times in my life
1: So many times Yeah same Many a cry Many a celebratory cry Out of my deep depression Yeah Jeez. vienna that entire album him i've seen that. i saw him at madison square garden a bunch of times me I- too that was my
0: 17th birthday my parents yeah. and i went to new york and watched him at madison square garden my dad bought a ticket from
1: a scalper yeah good for him he's honestly i love that
0: mike lagrasso everybody
1: we love him <laughs> um yeah one foot in front of the other it's like that's where my, that's where I feel good. like my therapist would be proud. I'd be proud. Like that's where my real confidence comes in is in the question you just asked. How do you do it with the uncertainty when the path ahead isn't entirely clear or like you're working so hard on your career and you know, it's coming, but you don't know what it's going to look like. I think, I think at, at the end of the day, I do have a true confidence in myself. I'll go ahead and say it. Like, I'm always like, Brittany, you got this. You're going to know. You're going to know. Like right. you're one in front of the other and like, you're going to know when things present themselves to you, if they're worth taking, you're going to know what to say no to You're you, you just stay true to what you like and what you don't like and like all of that kind of stuff. So, um. I I also started to surrender. There are a lot of people have concrete goals, like I want to be on Fallon, or I want to do this, or I want to have a book, and that and that's awesome and that's great. I personally don't function that way. I know my end goal is to is to be a comedian and a public figure and a positive influence for women. I know that that is like those are like the goals. So as long as I seek and pursue and accept opportunities that fit into those buckets, then I'm good. That's
0: right. Well, that is smart because that's what I'm always advising people on the podcast. So, you do. don't have a purpose that is so finite, have a purpose that's overarching, and then everything else can feed into it. So, you can be achieving your purpose while you're eating a sandwich. You know, it doesn't have to be absolutely. this big thing where you're going on Fallon. It could be, I achieve my purpose by having this conversation. I achieve my purpose by reading a book. I achieve my purpose by doing an interview versus these huge, lofty goals, which you should also have, but that's not your purpose. That's a goal.
1: But absolutely. Right, mm-hmm. right, and whether or not that happens, you're already existing and working and living in a vi- a vibration. Not to sound too woo woo willy nilly, but like you are like already. This like, crowd loves
0: the woo.
1: The, the woo woo woo, we love it. Like like you're already like on your way there. And even if that specific thing doesn't happen, you're putting yourself in the atmosphere of other things similar to that. Yeah, exactly. As long as you you can get to be an actualized comedian. The same feeling is in a sold-out room of 500 people as it is to, like, a really, really intimate warm room of four. Like, it just is. And, like, you can have a huge talk show and be, like, a huge female figure, and that's amazing and awesome and good for you and kick-ass, and we love that. Or you can go and volunteer at a domestic violence shelter and talk a woman out of staying with somebody. That's supremely fulfilling. That's just as fulfilling, if not more. So it's, like, just looking for that fulfillment and like not tying yourself to what it is you think it should be
0: Brett. I love you I believe in you as a person I believe in you as a comedian as an entrepreneur every single way possible please tell the creative listener how they can find you
1: I love you, uh, I love you. <laughs> um, I'm Brittany Brave on all social media Britt Brave on Twitter Brittany Brave on Instagram Facebook everything and Lauren you are an angel and you are so supremely talented and vibrant and warm and everything you do, you pour your entire heart and soul into, and that is undeniable. That's that's the impression from every project you do, from your music to your podcast to everything you involve yourself in. And the world needs more people like you. So,
0: Oh, I love you so much. Well, ditto to you. Also, please, she didn't plug her podcast, but check it out. It's awesome. It's Bad Women. You can find it on Spotify. <laughs> It's probably going to be on Apple Podcasts soon too, right, Britt?
1: I think it is. It just got okay. uploaded there. Yeah.
0: Okay. Apple yes. Podcasts. It's Anchor, everywhere. All Anchor, all the places. So go check that out. Leave it a rating and review. Subscribe. And for me, you can follow me at Lauren LaGrasso, at Unleash Your Inner Creative. Leave a rating and review. Tell a friend about the show. Post about it. I'll repost it. Also, I'm doing my first live show of the year. Woo! <laughs> on <laughs> This Thursday. I said it was Sunday, but I was wrong. It's Thursday the 29th at 7:30 p.m. at Urban Press Winery in Burbank. It's socially distanced. You can get tickets on FanFlex. So definitely check that out. I'll have all the information at the link in my bio and also in the show notes. And thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. I love you and I believe in you and thank you, Britt. You're the best. Love you. I love you.